Here we are, one of the proudest tribes in Europe. We love our music, we love our dancing, we love our, you know, our sports stars, Conor McGregor and the UFC, and mm -hmm. wrap the Irish flag around us. And You know, you yeah. think about this, Andy, right? You've got the Germans, if you know, speak German. The Hungarians speak Hungarian. The Greeks speak Greek. The English speak English. The Irish speak English. <laughs> you know? it's, it's weird. Hello, fellow travelers, entrepreneurs, and party people. Welcome back to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. I'm recording this intro in Medellin, in Colombia, where I've just arrived with my good friend Stephen McPhillamy. We're taking the occasion of my 30th birthday, I know, I can't believe it, to come down here to this beautiful country and explore a little bit. We just wrapped up a wild weekend in a city called Barranquilla, located on the Caribbean coast. Barranquilla plays home to a massive carnival festival, and I had a few friends join us down there for a good time. We also got a chance to catch reggaeton artist Shaggy in concert last night. If you're looking for a party, consider Barranquilla for a destination next year towards the end of February. And speaking of parties, we've got St. Paddy's Day in Ireland coming up just in a couple weeks. So today, we're getting the full Irish experience. This conversation is actually with Stephen McPhillamy, the same guy that I'm traveling around with now. He's been a professional tour guide for my dad's company for nearly 20 years. He ran a hostel for a time, and he now runs Milltown House, a beautiful B&B &B out on the rugged west coast of Ireland in the town of Dingle. In this chat, we discuss the deep traditions of Irish culture, the struggle to keep Irish as a language alive, and we share some fun stories like experiences we've had in hostels and, of course, past St. Paddy's Day shenanigans. Let us know how you like the podcast so far by leaving a review, and check out our website for links and more tips. It's all at andysteves.com. Happy travels, and as they say in Ireland, slancha. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode number 10. Hello, this is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast, and I'm here with a really good friend of mine, Stephen McPhilmy, who's beaming in from Venice Beach, California. Yeah, Andy, it's great to hear your voice, man. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me, Stephen. It's great to have you. Always a pleasure to hear your dulcet tones. Here's the thing. I know that we've got quite a bit to talk about. I'd love to get into traditional Irish music and culture. We've got Dublin to discuss, itineraries, and all sorts of other exciting, fun travel stories to share. Where the heck do we start, buddy? Well, we can start up with the time we, we spent St. Patrick's Day together in Temple Bar. That was magic. Um, I'd say I'd say we've probably spent five St. Patrick's days together. Would that be right? It's true. You've been a, a key teammate in uh, my St. Patty's Day operations, which are truly legendary. Uh, that we put together each St. Patty's Day in March each year in Dublin. In fairness, they've been great parties. And funny thing is, every year I always say to myself, "That'll be my last year." Now I can't do this next year. And next year, I'm nearly always there, Andy. Can't do it. Can't can't get away. You're addicted. Uh, I enjoyed this year, particularly though, when we went to Galway after, mm -hmm. and uh, you come up with the brainwave to take us out to Inish year. That was pretty cool. I thought it was cool. Like a lot of Irish tour guides refer to it as Alcatraz because they, you know, they wrongly think there's not much to see or do there. But uh, I actually really enjoyed that day, and I think you know we went. We had about 10, 10, 15 of a little nice little small group. 
Like little special forces team arriving on the island. We got out, we landed, we stormed it, we saw the castle. We saw the uh, sunken ship. Yeah, we went for our Guinness and uh, we left. Everyone was still friends. We didn't cause any harm. No. We learned a lot. And we, you know, that was a very enjoyable day, actually. And you know what I'd love to do is just go into a, a, a standard five-day tour of Ireland. I think, you know, that's well spent splitting it between Dublin and Galway. If you have six or seven days, drop down to uh, Dingle for a night. Would you agree? Absolutely. Look, I think for your five-day trip, in my humble opinion and in my professional opinion, if you have five days, definitely Dublin to Galway, that nice spine down the middle, but maybe a day in Belfast, even if it's just a day trip up there, that would just give you a nice overall flavor for Ireland. Because you can't, you can't fully understand Ireland or say you've seen it unless you've seen a little bit of the north. You don't have to go up there and do it in depth or anything, but I think you do have to go up. Now, I'm not just saying that because I'm from the north, but you know, there's 800,000 people up there who are who are Protestant and who are British, and you know their their story is as valid as my story. So you can see and a distinct cultural line that's evident, huh? Yeah, but also these days, as you know, the stuff that's going on up there is phenomenal. You've got the Titanic Visitor Center, millions of 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 pounds spent on that. Game of Thrones is filmed there. Yeah, would you believe there's people going to Belfast now to do Game of Thrones day trips and they don't even know that there was a conflict? These are 21-year-olds from Australia or America or wherever. And they, yeah. They've never even hardly heard that there was a conflict there. Um, but, you know, there's, all, there's the Giant's Causeway. It's always famous. So I think, yeah, day trip up the north would be, would be, would be fantastic. There's lots of uh, day trips from Dublin. Now, you don't have to necessarily go up and stay overnight. Now, it's a long trek, but... There's enough, uh, you know, to see in Ireland to keep you busy for a lifetime, basically. Yeah, and I like your style of not overdoing it for maybe your first visit. You know, you go see the, see the highlights, get in behind the scenes a good bit, and then, you know, come back. Ideally, you can't, you can't cram it all into one, one visit. Uh-huh. Um, you need to stick to the main centers within the transport infrastructure. Yeah, and the next time maybe you can think about renting a car, but for a first visit, cars are often not worth the headache or expense. So, so even though I'm a huge fan of Dingle, as you know, I, I've even moved from my beloved North to live there. As you know, you come down to visit me in Dingle there occasionally, and I think it's the best place in Ireland by far. As uh, that National Geographic writer said, Dingle is on the road to nowhere else. You cannot get to Dingle by accident. And that's part of its brilliance. You cannot get to Dingle by accident. So <laughs> I think it was my destiny to end up there. Uh-huh. But yeah, in a, in a five-day trip, you know, you'd want to do two Dublin, in my opinion, two Galway, and uh, ideally one Belfast, but maybe, maybe just a day trip to Belfast. These days I'm starting to hear that from a lot of younger travelers, especially, that they find parts of Dublin just the same as any other city. In uh, the world, you know, in the cosmopolitan sense, I don't fully agree with that. I think that if you go to Dublin and you think that it's just like any other big city, then you've seen it with the wrong people. I would say it's definitely unique, but look, you got you got McDonald's and Starbucks on Temple Bar now, the like traditional and historical center of Dublin, and of course that's kind of jarring to see on such a traditional square, such a unique place to have multinational chains. That's kind of a bummer, uh, wouldn't you agree? However, Andy, Irish people would generally tell you that Temple Bar is 95 to 99.9% tourists. Right. So if you're a visitor and you come to Dublin and your first port of call or your only port of call is Temple Bar, 
as much as I love the place, then we really haven't seen authentic Dublin. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. The other thing with the travel industry now, particularly for younger travelers, is people go off and they stay in hostels that are very cosmopolitan these days. Yeah. The hostel industry, the, the backpacker industry, the travel industry has become very globalized. People do the same free tour, free walking tours. They stay in the same type of hostels. Hostels are generally quite similar around the globe these days, and mm-hmm. staff are transient and international and cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guides who lead your free tour may not be from that city. They may still be excellent, wonderful guides, but they we're just more globalized now. We're, we're floating around, traveling around a lot more. There's so many things that we need to discuss. We need to discuss changing uh, demographics in Ireland and, um, you know, economic situation. and See, in terms of our demographics, too, if you want to go straight into that, the big elephant in the room, the big nationality that's come on, onto our island is our good friends, the Polish. Here's a statistic for you. There are more Polish speakers in Ireland every day than there are Irish speakers. Yeah. And that is a fact. I think I, I, I'd estimate 5% of the population uh, speak Irish every day, of which I am one. I'm trying to speak the national language every day. And for listeners there, remember that Irish is not English with a different accent or a pirate accent. Irish is Gaelic. It's the same same thing as Gaelic. It's a, it's a completely different Celtic language. That's our official language of the state. And it's compulsory in our schools, so we're all supposed to learn it. Well, we do learn it, but we don't really speak it very much. Where are places that uh, visitors can, can go to hear uh, Irish or Gaelic on the streets? Okay, so if you come to Ireland and you're interested in hearing the Irish language, you can hear it uh, in uh, some distinct places called Gael Talks. Gael as in like the Gaelic language. Uh, Gael Talks. Yeah. Uh, you've got one up in dear old Donegal up in the northwest of the island. You've got one in Connemara, which is over in the west, which is where Galway is. You've got one down in Kerry, uh, Dingle, for example, West Kerry, where I've relocated to. Uh, beautiful Irish spoken there. And you then have one down in Cork. They're fairly isolated pockets. Pretty isolated pockets, but great thing about the Irish language is it's very trendy to speak it. Lots of young Irish people and older Irish people want to speak it. There's, there's a good few places in Dublin where Irish speakers can gather and, and chat. It's great when we're abroad backpacking to be sitting on a beach in Thailand and you want to chat about, say, the, the hot Swedish girls across from you or the, the dudes who are annoying you. You want, to, you want to chat about them and you've got another Irish person you can speak Irish and he, he or she can speak Irish and you speak Irish to them and you know that nobody else on that beach is going to understand. It's like those... <laughs> remember those Navajo code breakers you had in World War II over in America? <laughs> even, the Nazis, even the Nazis couldn't understand it because the only people who spoke it were like, couple of hundred Navajos. Yeah, so uh, Irish language is, is uh, it's vibrant, it's alive. Your travellers won't get to hear it much, but you have to seek it out. And you'd be surprised how many Irish people do speak it. We have our own, we have our own official Irish language TV channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a big star called Hector O'Hockagon. And Hector O'Hockagon. Have you heard of him or seen him? No, I just want to say that name again, though. He's like this big six foot four pasty white stringy Irish guy with kind of longish red hair and he goes off and he uh, uh, dances with the Chippendales in Vegas and stuff you know but he does it all in Irish it's just great TV um, so the Irish language TV is accessible and it's trendy and it's young and it's hip and it could be one of the many reasons our language will be saved oh, that's so great. I hope that your listeners actually will go out of their way to 
listen to a little bit of Irish when they're coming to Ireland. I saw this a short film. Did you ever see that short film where an Asian person, I forget if he was Japanese, I think he was Chinese, Chinese. Uh, moved and he decided, okay, I'm going to move to Ireland. And so he started, he completely learned the language before he ever went to the country. He shows up and goes from bar to restaurant to bar, uh, just trying to talk to people in Irish because that's what he studied. And that's yeah. what the encyclopedia said about Ireland is that they it's speak tough. Irish. It's a national language. And everybody just it, keeps responding to him. I don't speak Chinese, man. <laughs> yeah. And, he so, meet, and he, the first guy he meets, I think, is a Polish taxi driver or a Polish bartender. Uh-huh. Uh, and he comes to Ireland thinking that everyone's going to speak Irish and not one person speaks it. I thought it was, I think it's called Yao is Anyam Dum, which means yeah. Yao is my name or Ming is my name or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a brilliant analogy or metaphor for the reality of, of Irish in Ireland. Here we are. One of the proudest tribes in Europe. We love our music. We love our dancing. We love our you know our sports stars, Conor McGregor in the UFC, and mm-hmm. wrap the Irish flag around us. And you know, you yeah. think about this, Andy. Right? You've got you travelled all over Europe. The Germans, if you know, speak German. The Hungarians speak Hungarian. The Greeks speak Greek. The English speak English. The Irish speak English. <laughs> you know? it's, it's weird. We're the only nation in Europe yeah, but, that did not speak But there's a, there's a reason for that. And the reason is because, I mean, if if the English conquered France, France would speak English. Mm. And, you know, the English mm. came over to Ireland and actively suppressed Irish culture, language, and any sort of communication and heritage. I, right? I agree with that. And as you know, my Irish nationalism is very strong. But... There comes to a stage, Andy, in Ireland, where we have to stop blaming the English for everything and just take back control ourselves. Yeah. When I was at school, now, uh, everybody in my class, we didn't like the Irish language, and we had a teacher who, who came from County Kerry, a young one, she was probably 24, and all the boys in the class were taking the mickey out of her. And uh, she, uh, she said, she was trying to teach us Irish, and none of us had any interest, and she just flipped one day, and she said, for God's sake, Look at you all. You all go on holidays to Spain every year and the Portuguese are speaking Portuguese and the Spanish are speaking Spanish. And what are you all speaking English? You think you're proud Irishmen, but you're not. And one of my friends called Jerry McMonagall. Jerry McMonagall goes, but miss, but miss, that's because the English stole our language from us. And she looked at him and she said, well, Jerry, steal it back. That was a brave heart moment for me. I became one of the uh, 30% of Irish citizens, according to our last census, who can read, write, and speak the language. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by our new guidebook, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. Pick a city and go. This new guidebook highlights the key information you need to know for a three or four day visit to some of our favorite cities. We highlight the top sites, restaurants, nightlife venues and clubs, and more to help you maximize your time, budget, and fun while traveling through Europe. Pick up a copy online or in bookstores now. Also available at andysteves.com. Enjoy and let us know what you think. Happy travels. Well, let's see. What I want to do is I'd love to talk about hostels in Ireland, kind of the hosteling culture. Good topic. I, I, I got into hostels probably 20 years ago. 
I owned uh, two hostels up north for 10 years. Uh, the standard of hostels in Ireland has become excellent because the Irish, although we're a small tribe, we do travel a lot where you can find us everywhere. We mightn't be there in big numbers, but you'll find us there. Mm. And uh, That's one thing you can count on is an Irish right? pub. You can count on an Irish pub in just about every city around the world. That's uh, that's one thing for sure. Absolutely. And you also, as you know, if you're traveling the world, you'll find the Irish in the backpacker bars or often they are the owners of these uh, backpacker hostels and bars because we like to get away. We like to travel. Anyway, a lot of us started traveling in the 80s and 90s in huge numbers. And we came back and started opening up hostels, um, particularly in Dublin, Galway, Cork. Not so much Belfast because... Before the IRA ceasefire, before the violence, the political violence there ended in 1994, there really was no point in having backpacker hostels up north, yeah. although now it's booming up there. But it's a lovely uh, hostel set up in Ireland. So for your listeners traveling around, you can stay in little little backpacker houses, which are almost like frat houses and a little bit grungy, and it's kind of a, maybe 20 to 30 beds. Or you can stay in big 200, 300-bed hostels that are usually located in buildings that were formerly three- or four-star hotels. And the quality of them is out of this world. Like I have I have two daughters, uh, 17 and, and uh, 20, would you believe? No. And when I take them off travel, like we stay in the hostels. We get a, a four-bed dorm, three of us stay in there. Probably costs us 30 each, so about 90 euros for the room maybe 90 to 100 euros for the room instead of going to a hotel where we might have to pay 150 to 200 yeah so, for, for two rooms so like in yeah, a hostel probably. you can get a triple or a quad for for a very affordable price so that goes with, for families but also groups of friends right absolutely but I, I think that families really should look into the possibility of staying in hostels too sometimes i think older people or maybe parents or whatever often think that uh, hostels because they think of the term youth hostel yeah yeah but in the in the hostel industry that is a big no no we don't use that term anymore they're yeah. they're hostels just i would be embarrassed at the host at the hostel conferences or events to say to somebody you know i'm a youth hostel owner or people would oh, have raise their two heads that'd be so even odd yeah even to me it sounds oh. like nails on a chalkboard do you think the economic crisis in recent years, it's my theory that um, it knocked a lot of people down who would have stayed in a two or three star hotel down into the hostel range where they'd get a private room or a, a smaller dorm, um, which has driven up demand and prices. Would you agree with that or wh how do you feel about that? Yeah, so you think that the, the, the prices of hostels has risen Significantly, yeah, I think I was, yeah, absolutely. It's risen even dramatically in some places. Yeah. There are hostels in Dublin now at the weekends that are charging, say, between thirty and forty-five euros per bunk. And I, I thought the uh, I thought the market was flooded. I mean, every time I go back to Dublin, there's a new big hostel. You know, one of the one of the reasons that uh, this is happening is a lot of the big three and four star hotels went bankrupt because their owners owned twenty other hotels and was bought it on cheap credit back before 2008. So now there's a there's a ton of these buildings lying idle that people have bought up for cheap or cheap price. And also there's a lot of these multinational and American private equity firms floating around the globe now looking to buy things that are profitable and to buy into a brand 
that's uh, trendy and hip and vibrant and also to capture a, a youth travel market that will stay with them as they progress through life into adulthood. So point is, there's several hostels in Dublin now that are uh, three, four, maybe even 500 beds that are not owned by mom and pap anymore, not owned by a, a, a backpacker crusader anymore, but are owned by a, a board of directors based in New York or somewhere like that. So, wow. but, but there's still good bargains to be had uh, in the hostel scene in Ireland. And most importantly, there's great fun to be had. The official government inspectors really will clamp down on your standards are not high. Mm -hmm. If it's not clean, if there's any bed bugs, Ugh. any of those unwanted hitchhikers floating around, Ugh. you're in trouble. So you can be nearly always guaranteed of a clean, safe bed. We're not some third world decrepit cesspit. <laughs> Just in case any of your hey, are thinking of um uh, hostel aficionado, sir. Um, are there any precautions that travelers can take against bed bugs? Andy, you might not be aware that you're talking to one of the world's foremost experts on bed bugs. I'm happy to be informed. Because I suffered at the hands of those little critters for decades in my travels. <laughs> I I have I have heard and I have read. I think this is a fact. That they bite everybody if they're there, they'll bite you. But only a small percentage, let's say 10% of travelers, will react to their bites. So, they, you know, I could be in bed with you, no thanks, but, you know, just... Uh. I could get eaten alive, um, and you could get eaten alive, but only the boils and the lumps would only appear on my body. Myself and Vicky stayed over in Galway one time, and I woke up and I swear on I had pelts the size of golf balls from my ankles up to my thighs, right? Yeah. Vicky was markless. If, if any of your travelers are worried, uh, first of all, most hostels in Ireland do not have bed bugs because they use metal beds, which that's a start. Um, see, I've never had a bed bug experience. I do have a confession to make. I got scabies a couple years ago, which was so troubling and distressing and disgusting. Do you think you got that from a dirty hostel or what? Scabies live in clothes for up to three days. You can get it from shaking someone's hand or, you know, sharing bed sheets or, you know, uh, I, I was staying in Airbnbs and hostels. It can get past any number of ways. And what you have to do is head to toe covering with a certain paste. And it's these critters that like live in the webs of your fingers and toes and they just munch, 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 eating a tunnel through your web, your between your fingers, and uh, and then they their crap is what s sets off an allergic reaction in your skin, and that's what makes it itchy. Oh, and you have to do this treatment with this these chemicals that there's not much scripture out on them. There's not much um, material out on them that tells you. It says beware, don't use this too much because it's carcinogenic. But what do you do when it doesn't work and you have to do it four times? Oh my God. So that's a huge bummer. But uh, yeah, that's I, just I, another I, bump on the road. You I've know? never had the problem with the scabies. One important point about the bed bugs and maybe even the scabies too is that people wrongly think that it's dirty hostels that you're going to get bed bugs. I think that's a, a, a wrong interpretation. It's like when you're at school and you have the head lice. The lice prefer the cleanest heads. <laughs> that's what so they say. No, 
So uh, but it's overall, it's not a problem. You have to worry about it too much. But my way of preventing bed bugs is to simply cover up. I, I've got bed bugs in five-star hotels. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I also have a theory that the bed bugs go for you more if you've had a lot of alcohol prior to going to sleep. It's like mosquitoes. <laughs> They're attracted. Yeah, I, I got. They're I just got trying to get some booze. Cambodia, and the, and the locals told me I got savage because I had I was drunk. You had alcohol in your system. I had tons of alcohol in my system. It was oozing through my pores. But don't worry about it. Remember, I, I think I'm an expert on them from experience with them. Yeah. As a traveler and as a hostel owner, and as somebody who's researched them, and I think that eighty to eighty-five percent of travelers will not be bitten by them. At least. I, 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 again, knock on wood, I've never had that experience, so I'll just um, hope that stays up. I think it's a great deal, especially if you can get four or six friends together, mm-hmm. or eight friends. What a saving. That's great. And I, I still enjoy meeting uh, travelers who are solo travelers or maybe two friends, and I say to them, are you going, what, are you going for a private room or are you going for an eight-bed dorm? And they're like, oh, no, we'll go for an eight-bed dorm. But they want the eight-bed dorm because they, they want to meet the other seven people in the dorm. For sure. For so sure. that's their that's that's a high chance that that's their friends for the night. Uh huh. There's a good chance that's their travel partners for the next week. There's a good chance that they're all going to be Facebook friends next day and they might hang out. And there's a good chance, small chance, but a good chance that they might become lovers. Stay in a hostel in Ireland and you might become lovers. You never know. Hey, what's next for you? Like you, you travel. You spend a lot of time uh, flying around Montreal, California, Hawaii. I was I'm, the reason I'm here in Venice Beach is I'm working on my own little blog that I'm putting together. Um, I hope to launch it the next few weeks, and I just want to have a a good sort of little online portfolio of the TV stuff I've done back home, the press, the radio stuff, but most importantly, just free tips and, and there's not a lot of good stuff available online from a indigenous Irish perspective. You know, you've got, you've got everybody from Lonely Planet to, to, to Rick Steves, to all these great experts locally, but there's not a whole lot of like people on the ground there putting together good stuff online. So I'm just trying to improve that for travelers. Where can we find you? Because obviously our listeners are going to want to learn more. Um, would you prefer them to look you up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, a website? Uh, well, I've got a little uh, holding page there called irishexperience.ie. irishexperience.ie. And if anybody ever if any travel questions, I'll be more than happy to help you. If anybody ever has an itinerary they uh, want me to look over, I'll be more than glad to... Well, hey, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a wonderful call. You're very generous with your time, your expertise, and of course, as always, that gift of gab that I always look forward to to reconnecting with. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.